Oh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course, and uh, it's a disappointing uh, wrap this week, uh, with the Crows going down, but we'll do our best to uh, try and make some sense out of it all, and joining me as usual uh, to try and help me do so is Mac. How are you going, Mac? Yep, very good, thanks, apart from our disappointing effort. Yes, absolutely, and uh, Nikki, of course, how are you going, Nick? I'm going very well. Good to hear, good to hear. You both obviously watched the game. Unfortunately. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, it was terribly disappointing, but uh, never mind. Uh, we live to fight another day, I guess. And I guess, you know, for those people that uh, are maybe realists, I don't know what you call it, realists maybe, um, there wouldn't have been too much disappointment because the, the, apparently the result was already a foregone conclusion. <laughs> so... Anyway, I don't know. I'm actually quite bitterly disappointed, actually. And I'll I'll explain my reasons for that a little bit later. I must admit, I must admit, uh, Macca, I am as well. So uh, I'm with you on that one. Anyway, why don't we uh, just, if I get myself organised here, why don't we get into uh, some score reviews, shall we? Weird old weekend of footy. Nicky was just asking me uh, how many tips I got right, and I don't think I got that many. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it all started on Thursday night with the Bombers getting up at the death and controversially over the Giants, 12-5-77 to the Giants, 10-11-71, a margin of six points and uh, a touched goal, probably helping them there in the end. Yep, good game to watch. Um uh, GWS dominated the, in, the midfield, surprisingly, with uh, Kelly, Canilio, um, uh, Toronto all playing pretty well. But um, so obviously it's more around the ground that they lost because um, Essen won the game. And Essen do have that uh, gun and run style that can catch a team out. And uh, they were on and uh, and they deserved their win. I mean, uh, I know that, touched, that ball was touched, but... Uh, that's added five points onto their score, so you can argue maybe he should have won by a point. And well, no, because it changes, it changes. The, they don't go of back course. to the middle. <laughs> You're being logical now. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to be logical. We can't be having that. <laughs> yeah, um, so but no, it was a good game to watch. Yeah, it's they they very much play the the Richmond chaos ball type, um, which works against certain teams. That that last quarter. Even though, yes, that one might have been touched, as, as you spotted on Fane, if it goes back to the centre, I think there's still very, very strong um, chance for scoring. They really dominated that last quarter. Yeah. Uh, they did. But... And, and once again, it, it just shows to me that little bit of mental fragility that's still slightly there with the GWS players. Mm. It's Good not a point. it's not a game that Geelong uh, sorry GWS should have lost really and uh, you're nope. right you're right it does show that they're still not but I guess every team is susceptible to that and the way the game is played these days it's not actually hard to to come back from a bit of a uh, down it once you get momentum um, 
so it seems to be the way the game's played. Anyway, Friday night we'll talk about later, of course. Saturday we had the Eagles uh, avoiding embarrassment and getting up uh, 11 goals, 11.77 to the Hawks. 9.17, probably kicking themselves out of the uh, out of the contest, 71 points a margin, also of six points. I think you summarised it in that sentence, uh, Fiend, because uh, if Hawthorne had uh, made the most of their opportunities, they would have won the game, there's no doubt about that. West Coast... Uh, they were they looked a very modest side on their performance uh, on on the weekend. Uh, but they we know they're a much better team than that. But uh, I'm talking about their performance on the day. And Hawthorne probably should have sewn it up earlier. And of course, the biggest problem Hawthorne do have in these games, they don't seem to have the ability to go on for four whole quarters. And uh, in the end, of course, West Coast too good. So, but Hawthorne could have and should have probably won the game. Well, welcome back, Nick Nat. Um, and bastards for upsetting my that was that was kind of like my upset. I went that for was your it. upset tip. So yeah. I thought they were, yeah, I thought they were a good chance. I, I had a few concerns about some of the others, but went with the majority. And yeah, um, but you, you're spot on there, Macca. That that's been the issue with Hawthorne is that they just can't go for the full four quarters. Hmm. No, never mind. Uh, we had Sydney predictably getting up over the Suns. Uh, Swans fourteen goals nine ninety three uh, to the Suns seven nine fifty one. A margin of forty two points there to the Swans. Yeah, almost uh, played to the blueprint of the standard uh, Gold Coast game where they are very competitive for the first half, and you think Gee, this could be a good game, and then of course the second half they can't maintain it and. Uh, it comes back to a, a lack of quality all around the ground. There's no real match winners in their team. There's a couple that go all right. And it was good to see Lukosius uh, actually look like a, a, a footballer of the future in this particular game. And I've, I've found him a little bit worrying in some of the games uh, up till now. But I thought he looked like he belonged at this level on the game that he played on the weekend. I actually uh, thought it was his best game for the season, Mac. Absolutely. Mm, absolutely. Well, now I'm interested yeah. in getting him back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, didn't see the game, so uh, unfortunately can't really comment about it. But it, it appeared, though, that the Suns were giving them quite a push, uh, but they just couldn't quite sustain it for the full four quarters. Yep. Um, how much of a hole of Collingwood just dropped into lately? Uh, North Melbourne continuing their post-Brad Scott Run with another victory, eleven goals, fifteen eighty-one to Collingwood, a dismal five goals, seven thirty-seven. And you wonder whether North are making a bit of a charge to the eight. Uh, well, I saw excerpts of this game. I, I watched in between the two games. Uh, in fact, I'm probably uh, totally, totally unimpressed with Collingwood. Totally, um, they've actually uh, lost that dead set hunger at the moment. They are, I think they are in that mode of taking a lot of it for granted and because when you take it for granted, it doesn't happen. North Melbourne on the other side, they were fierce. And, and you're right, Fiend, um, if they can maintain that type of form every week, um, they, they're just a rough chance of getting into the finals. And um, what would that mean for the, uh, the future of their coach? Would they had to have that brilliant orator uh, Shaw as their coach. Well, I mean, you can't knock him, can you? I mean, he's getting results and they're playing for him and uh, they've got the Saints next week and 
that's another very winnable game for uh, North Melbourne. So all of a sudden they're in contention from being absolutely nowhere. But anyway, interesting to watch well, from, them. Yeah, from halftime we actually switched over and watched that game more and only went back to the, the Port game in the breaks and at the very end because it was a much better quality of game. And I don't think we can have a go at Reece regarding his coaching because while North have always had some quite good forwards and their setup hasn't been too bad, it's the rest of the ground where there's been some issues in getting the best out of their players. But he's got them playing a very intense style of game, pressure, really nice passing, some really nice setups that they were doing. I think they're definitely a smoky for pushing towards the eight. And Buckley's spot on. He's he's known that Collingwood has not been playing well pretty much for most of the season. They've mm. just been lucking it out by playing one good quarter and being able to break the team and just hold their position from that pretty yeah, much very, one good, that, one yeah, good that, quarter. Yeah, I'd be relying on one good quarter, Nikki. That's 100% right. And yeah. North didn't allow them to do it. No, their, that's their, right. their pressure at them was brilliant. Yep. Uh, the power, uh, a low score, a low <laughs> crowd, a very low crowd. Everything was very low for the power as they went down to the Bulldogs and wasted their post by victory against Geelong by going down to the Western Bulldogs, 10 goals, 666. The Bulldogs to the power, 511.41, a margin of 25 points. Uh, so much for Ken being the Messiah. Well, so I number d- of scoring shots. Nikki, you missed your uh, wild tip. I got mine because <laughs> I thought the arrogance, the arrogance of Hinkley to think that he can drop three players of that calibre. And uh, when I looked at their side, I thought this is not a very a particularly good side. Um, I thought there was a lot of arrogance about the way Hinkley. Uh, 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 Selected his players, um, and it backfired on him. Um, and they you say they got ahead good... of themselves, Macca. That's not like Port Adelaide. A hundred percent. It's not like 100%. Port Adelaide at all just to get ahead of well, themselves. It, you, you have a look at Wines at the moment. Wines wouldn't get a kick in a bloody street fight. No. Willem Drew. And, and, yeah, the, and, the, and the hilarious things about Wines is they kept saying, oh, this is a game made for him. This is a game made for him. He was on Bontempelli. Bontempelli. Slaughtered in that first him. half was absolutely outstanding. And the Bulldogs played a smart, wet-weather game because some of those kicks they were doing off the ground were very deliberate, but oh, yeah. Yeah. beautifully they, done. They, they play, well, I, I saw the Bulldogs week before, and I was quite impressed with their, their intensity, and I thought they're back, and they're playing pretty good footy. They're not the uh, worst team going around, Western Bulldogs. No, no they're not. No. You, you have a look at their midfield when you've got uh, – Bond and Pelly, you've got McRae, uh, and you've got Dunkley. I mean, that's a, a very high A-grade quality midfield. Yep. And all those three boys absolutely shone. Um, and then I looked at Port's midfield and I thought, well, you've got, you know, you've got, apart from Boat, you've got the good ones in the, playing at that snaffle level. Yeah, yeah and, that's right. And they pay the price. And uh, as I said, arrogance. And as for their, you know, they... What about that farce at the beginning where they play will never tear us apart just before they get torn apart? And uh, they the hold up the scarves and say, well, let, they'll never tear us apart. Except I was watching some of them, they're holding up scarves because they can't afford a proper one. Or they hold up their blanket and wave it from side to side. I said, they look, I said, they look deranged. They're obviously deranged. <laughs> 
No, for me, the, the funniest part of that whole game was they kept talking up those players who did so well in the SNFL, you know, 57 disposals for Rockcliffe or whatever and Westhoff kick with so many goals. It, it was hilarious because I'm just listening to it going, they played North. That's <laughs> like seriously, North have lost so many players. They're unfortunately – they're very much struggling in the SNFL this year. So an AFL caliber player like that, that's what they should be um, doing. That That's not actually a real recommendation of they played well. Um, I, I wouldn't really say, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was delightful. Um, yep. And one more last comment I would like to make about it. <laughs> Ken Hinckley, Ken Hinckley. He gets there after the game and says he can't trust his team. <laughs> FFS, Hinkley, they can't trust you. You've been there for umpteen years, you drongo. And what have you done? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, seriously. I also make a call here. As long as Hinkley's there and as long as my bum points to the ground, they'll never get a, another <laughs> winner premiership. Well, with uh, that mental image of uh, Macca doing the downward dog, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> and... Today we had Richmond just just getting back into the swing of things. Uh, beware of the Tigers because they got about 10,000 players back this week. Uh, yeah. They've got their usual run of games into the finals at the MCG and, uh, yeah, they're, they're about the place. 103 uh, to St Kilda. I know it was only St Kilda, but 10 goals, seven, uh, 10 goals, 1070, margin of 33 and... Uh, I reckon it might be out of Richmond and North uh, for that last spot, actually, in the eight. Well, it looked ominous, didn't it? Uh, they, they played very, very good football, Richmond did. And uh, uh, the longer the game went on, the more you thought, geez, they're looking like the Richmond of old. And, uh, uh, yeah, as you said, they've got a heap of players back. Sydney Stack, what a bargain they've got in that lad. I mean, he's a ripper. He's a young, oh, they got, him, they got him after the draft, after the rookie listed. They just had a vacancy so they could, they could take him. And I just wish our club would take a gamble on somebody with a dubious character, not Lawrence Angwood, um, but, you know, and he's got natural ability. And, I mean, I would have thought he would be an ideal for any degree. But, you know. Um, well, we, they're, we they're, did. Uh, Rory Atkins every, was every other... a dubious character when we... When <laughs> we... No, he was. Yeah. He actually was, Macca. Yeah. That's why he slipped so low. <laughs> And and the thing and the thing is with Stack, uh, pretty much every other club didn't want to take a chance on him. But the interesting thing is, you did, the, yeah, you, you do the draft now, and he's in the top ten. Oh he's no, 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 he's on the top. Oh, top twenty. No, he's yeah, not I reckon he would he would have been picked because he's a small forward or, or a small back. As he's more likely to be picked towards twenty. But mm. I think his value for that team is quite immense because of the way they play. Yeah, which brings him I mean, into the game more. Yeah, it suits them very well. But uh, I don't think he's top ten. Anyway, uh, the Lions are doing a number on Melbourne, who continue to just belie all pre-season predictions about them. Uh, the Lions doing very well, 15-17-107 to Melbourne, 11 goals, 8-74, a margin of 33 points. Yeah, look, it looked like being a very competitive game all the way through until Maxi Gorn went down, and uh, and we went down pretty early, uh, and 
uh, killed dream team, people like me, <laughs> within our chances of winning. Um, but uh, back to the football, I thought that was a very, very key factor in the game. Uh, Melbourne are struggling and they can't afford somebody of the quality of uh, Gorn to be missing for a big save of the game, and then to come back and then only just plot around the oval because he wasn't 100% right uh, with, a, with his ankle. But um, yeah, I think that Melbourne are the greatest disappointment of the year. There's no question about that. No question about that. I mean, they were, everybody was talking them up as potential premiers at the beginning of the season. Yep. And, and they, what are they, third bottom? Uh, I think they're third Yeah, bottom. third bottom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and not making much effort to get a move away from it either. No, very, they were very disappointing. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it, it, if they'd gotten up, it would have helped us. Yeah, it would have. Would have, yeah. Never mind. Bloody and the Melbourne. game, the game's still in progress uh, at Opta Stadium, uh, and the Dockers doing their very best to lose this game. The Dockers ten goals nine sixty nine to Carlton nine goals thirteen sixty seven at the moment. Twenty four minutes in, uh, oh two God. points. Uh, three minutes forty to go. Yeah, so uh, we'll uh, we'll keep you updated on that one as we go through. Just a quick look at the ladder, um, and we see Geelong miles ahead on forty eight points and one hundred and forty five and a half percentage, and the Bulldogs next week. So you would expect that march to continue. Collingwood amazingly still in second, but uh, their percentage coming right off uh, equal with West Coast also on forty points. Uh, the Giants slipping down to fourth uh, on 36 points, but some healthy percentage as well. Uh, Brisbane popping up to fifth uh, and doing really well, Brisbane, 36 points as well. Uh, then we've got the Crows and Fremantle, depending on how things go in the next three minutes, uh, both on 32 points. Our percentage uh, still... Free- yeah, I was just going to say, Freo have to score 23 more points in three minutes, so I don't think it's going to happen if they win to go above us. No, that's right. But anyway, thank you. Uh, our percentage still looking all right, 111. Um, You're welcome. Richmond also now back in the eight uh, with 32 points, but uh, still pretty average um, percentage, 95.3. Out of the eight, dropping out of the eight, we've got Port on 28 points, uh, along with Essendon. Um, North on the rise, as we mentioned, uh, along with Sydney and Western Bulldogs and St Kilda. It's hard to believe that those... Those teams are all in the same. I, I can't remember St Kilda winning this many games. When did they win these? Did they bank them early, from last year? Early. Yeah. Uh, all yeah, on 24 them points. Early. Uh, Hawthorne on 20 and looking out of it now. Um, and Melbourne, as you said, Mac, a, a real disappointment on 16 points. Gold Coast on 12. Oh, Carlton have hit the front, have they? Because the live ladder just live ladder just updated. Yeah, they did. Carlton up yep, 73 to 69. With oh, uh, what God. about two goals left? Uh, two points left. Oh God! Two minutes left. Two minutes. Two minutes forty. Uh, so Carlton win that game. They go off the bottom of the ladder, and our pick slides to number two um, on percentage. And uh, Carlton on a much better percentage. Ten point ten percentage points above Gold Coast. Oh dearie me! If we lose number one pick as well as uh, losing the game on the weekend, that's uh, just. <laughs> We might as well just rack it up. Anyway, it's horrible. It's horrible. Because <laughs> the number two pick's just worthless. Oh, no, the one, number two, two pick's great, but it's the principle of the thing, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, anyway. Never in, a, in our own right held a number one. Yeah, pick. can we just have a number one pick just for once, for God's sake? We did have one once. We fucked it up. No, we didn't. No, no, it was number two. A number one oh, pick. was it number two? For the, that was the care. Oh, for yeah, the carry. No, it was. I yeah. thought it was. It ended up being number four because of priority. But picks. It, it was originally number two. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was never number one though, Nick. Unfortunately. Oh, twenty-seven minutes. Damn it! All right, uh, let's focus and move on to our game, shall we? Uh, really? Well. We may as well. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's why we're here. Yeah, that's right. Oh dear, the Crows, the Crows, the Crows can't win at Cadinia Park and we didn't win again on Friday night. 14 goals, 12.96 the Cats. To Adelaide, 10 goals, 9.69, a margin, a comfortable margin in the end of 27 points. Have at it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, as you said, uh, you know, the paper and many other commentators say, well, Adelaide didn't do a bad job. You know, they they hung in there and they only just got beaten in the end by 27 points. And I don't look at it that way at all. I'm I'm very, very angry with the result, to be quite to, to be quite honest. Because if you look at, uh, they won by 27 at the end of the first quarter, the end of the second quarter, and the end of the last quarter, in the last half minute of the game, there were identical situations, the ball game being out of bound on a wing, and we could not defend uh, for 30 seconds in any one of those three quarters. Um, didn't have an appropriate structure to prevent them from getting a goal in every one of those three quarters. Now, that's 18 of the 27 points. And each one at the first and second, that's the momentum uh, as well. So I was furious about that part of it. And then secondly, we started off well. Uh, we were winning clearances and uh, everything was going right. Then they, you could tell in the second quarter, Brian Freddie could see Geelong are getting back into this game. And uh, we started playing the same old way we do against Geelong. And we started doing those quick dash attacks. And then when we were going to the forward line, we kicked it long, and we've got nobody kicking them over their heads and where they've got the men sitting back. Standard Geelong procedure against us. And uh, I just thought that um, they changed it. And also at the midfield, uh, Kelly was allowed to run right. And uh, in the Port Adelaide, they do some things right because they showed us the blueprint how to beat Geelong last week by shutting down uh, their playmakers in the midfield. But we didn't do that. And the other thing I was very, very angry about the night was that non-effort by Bryce Gibbs, who could have got, uh, he should have got in front and sport, but it turned out to be a mark and a goal to Geelong, and he squibbed it. And uh, he, did, he, dead set, he dead set squibbed it. Yeah, yep. dead um, set. I'm just it. watching the game. I, I was watching the game, and just all throughout, I just kept looking at it, just going, "What is Bryce Gibbs doing out there?" Well, yeah, good question. Carlton are now back in front oh, with 30 seconds to no. go. Frio had gotten up. <laughs> yep, and now, now Carlton are back in front. Four points. Um, to me, the, the, yep, there, there were three issues with the game. Cam Ellis Yeoman. Yeah, if big, he was big factor, yeah. A ma- massive, that game showed what a massive loss he is to our yep, team. absolutely. Um, Texas injury um, to his elbow, which really hampered him, unfortunately. When he was up and about and the way he was directing that movement um, 
as soon as we got the injury to him, that's when Geelong started to come back. And the third thing is not tagging Kelly. I mean, they changed it up. They they pushed Selwood from the wing into the centre um, and they put Kelly on the wing and they exposed Atkins through him very, very easily. Um, and that we didn't shut him down. You, All we had to do was shut down Kelly. Mm-hmm. The way we were playing, the, the mindset that was there from the start, there were some real positives that come out of this game and I am very angry because that was a hell of a chance that we let slip. Yeah, I agree with you, Nikki. And on top of uh, Kelly, uh, Grind Myers, who's, I mean, he's not a star, but he's a very good, he's a good little player and he's very nippy and he runs around the ground a lot and he created a lot of opportunities. He had possibly his best game for the year against us running around unchecked and he here. Uh, he was the connecting link in so many moves going up forward. And uh, I said, he's running around like an unregistered dog and nobody going near him. And I said, thought somebody must be, uh, must own him. Somebody must be responsible for him. And on top of that, the other thing I, I want to add, one of the reasons why we were so disappointing, in my opinion, is Smith and Led chose that particular game to have their worst games of the year. I'd just like to point out that the AFL.com website is is so confused by the fact that Carlton won by four points that they've actually written Frio by four points on, on their <laughs> on their live match centre even though Frio bloody lost by four points. So public uh, nomination for yeah. that person working <laughs> Look um I, the problem that I saw uh, as an overview is that we played the way we played in the first month. We didn't actually play the way we've been playing in the last um in the last four to six weeks, uh, and as a consequence, yeah. we were exposed. We we made exactly the same mistakes that we made in the first month of football. We we got sucked into the contest. Um, oh, yeah, that's we, true. That's we, a big weren't, point. Yeah. we weren't patient with the ball in hand, and I'll I'll talk about a couple of stats that are glaring in a moment in that regard. Um, our forward fifty entries were horrid. And uh, Chris Scott seemed to find a way to isolate his forwards very nicely and uh, create mismatches quite regularly. Um, the amount of times that we saw one-out contests where um, uh, uh, someone like a Reece Stanley or, or Tommy Hawkins was going up against a mismatched opponent, uh, it seemed like we were very disorganised defensively. And mm-hmm. at no stage were we able to put any pressure in inside their forward 50. Their entries were reasonably clean and their forward line was pretty open. And, and we seemed to get caught uh, with our defensive line too high um, and they were able to exploit that uh, on a regular basis. But the biggest disappointment for me was that we didn't play the way we should have, the way that we had to play in order to win the game. And the it was a real Nikki regression. Uh, the point that Nicky made about the absence of Camulus Yolman is part of the reason for that in the centre structure because um, Cam's been doing a lot of the physical work in the centre where the, when the ball's in there and the other boys have been hanging out waiting for him to do the work and uh, which gives us uh, uh, more flexibility and more coverage on their out. Their, uh, out. But as you said, Fee, they, without him there, they're just like, uh, bees of the honey pot, and there was nobody on the outside. Well, we didn't have anyone on the outside all night. Nobody. Uh, we were relying on Atkins, who did a little bit around the ground, but certainly not around stoppage. Uh, Brody Smith was very quiet. 
Um, I think we made a mistake um, <clears throat> in our cover for Millera. Um, I didn't think we picked the right player uh, for that coverage. Um, and, yeah, so yeah. We, we, we never had enough run out, you know, the second possession outside the, outside the stoppage. Um, but the biggest thing, the biggest thing, uh, and I'll bring up a, a stat uh, while we're talking here, just on a previous match. But the biggest thing for me was the fact that over the last month, what we've done is actually um, maintain possession of the ball and been quite f- patient with our our movement uh, and our ball use inside 50. Even though our entries haven't been fantastic, we've been very slow, and, well, not slow, but very considered and patient in our build-up. Yeah, yeah. Which is what we were doing in the first quarter. Exactly. We were exactly. making the most of our entries in, and that was Tex. Exactly. Tex uh, controlling no, that space. Not really. Um, uh, where's this stat? Uh, so against the Giants, when I, I felt we played the blueprint of the way that we need to play uh, in order to have any chance with this particular squad, um, our uncontested possession count was quite high. Um, yeah, but the uh, the significant stat, and we'll talk. I want to talk about this one in particular. Is the uncontested possession differential between uh, Geelong and Adelaide for the course of the match? Because the two times when we were really in the game, which was sort of ten minutes into the first quarter and up to about halfway uh, into the second quarter, our we were down on the uncontested possession stat differential a little bit but within a, an acceptable range. It was only like 10 separation. And the score reflected that. The moment we lost, the moment we started to drop off with uncontested possession was the moment we lost the game. You can see, mm. the, the, and I haven't got these stats graphs up. I've got them in front of me, but I'm not, I'm not streaming them. But the, uh, the score worm, if you like, follows exactly the same trajectory as our uncontested possession stat. And I'll put a, a picture up on Facebook or somewhere later to illustrate. But it, it's uncanny that uh, that particular stat, more than any other stat, basically follows the same trend as the score. And it reflects how we've been playing for the last month. It reflects how we played against GWS, um, where we were able to maintain possession. Um, and control our forward 50 entries and, and get better value for entries as a, as a result. But as you rightly pointed out, Mac, uh, you know, after the first quarter and a half, we just started to panic. Geelong yep. were playing the game on their terms, and uh, our forward 50 entries went down the toilet. Terrible. Um, oh, horribly. You know, we could not hit a target. We didn't seem to have a target. Um, and... Uh, even though it wasn't quite the blueprint in terms of kicking to their spare, we we just had we lost all potency up forward simply because our midfield were not controlling the tempo of the game. Simple as that. Well, yeah, when you go in the as we were doing uh, after about a quarter and a half, we were just going with those erratic, rushed forward entries. Uh, you lose you lose control of the game because you lose control of the ball to uh, players of. The, the way they always man up against us, where they've got those Lucy's at the back, then they start to just work their way crisscross up up the ground. And as you say, they somehow manage to get a situation of a mismatch up forward or uh, leave a space for somebody to lead into. And uh, 
they got their goals a lot easier than we did. There's no doubt about that. And we just made uh, we we virtually, as you said, ab- abandoned the way we've been playing after about a quarter and a half, and uh, we just never got back to it. Yeah, well, uh, we lost the uh, inside 50 count, and that started going from about the 17-minute uh, mark of the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, uh, the their, our rebound 50 count um, increase is simply because the ball started, uh, the game started being played in Geelong's forward half. Uh, and it, there were periods in that third quarter where the, the ball didn't seem to want to come out of Geelong's half. I don't think we... We hardly were able to get it past centre there for long periods in that second half, and it was it was it reminded me of that Hawthorne game um, last year where we just couldn't get it past centre. Mm. Well, they had about twelve repeat entries at one, at one stage into their yep. forward line. Yep, that was at the beginning of the third, I reckon. Um, mm. Anyway, look, let's look at some head-to-head stats. Um, and uh, Geelong had far more of the ball, four hundred and ten to three hundred and fifty-nine disposals. Um, the kick to handball ratio for both was, as you'd expect, uh, weighted towards kicks, um, but we certainly weren't using our kicks to the same effect um, as Geelong. Uh, and it's telling in this particular stat: 106 marks to 76. Geelong marked the ball 30 more times than we did, um, despite having a similar amount of contested marks. So that all that does is show you that um, see so contested marks were 12 to 13. Uh, and yet Geelong won the con- uh, the marking uh, stat by 30. So it just tells you that they were playing the game that we should have been playing, which was keeping the ball away and being considered in their in their ball movement. That's exactly uh, what they did, 100% thing. Yep, uh, tackles were even, 66 to 64, uh, although I didn't feel like our tackling was very effective. In some cases it looked almost like men versus boys, especially our midfield to theirs. Um, I didn't feel like we laid very many effective tackles, strong tackles. Uh, look, and can't complain about the umpires, 16 to 12. Um, uh, where are we? Clearances, we won the clearances 42 to 37. So um, that would, initially you'd think, uh, Nick, that that meant that we did all right without Ellis Yeoman. But I think what you're saying is exactly right that it robbed us of a Matt Crouch or a Brad Crouch being one back off the contest. Yeah. We had to commit. Yeah, Brad, Brad looked lost. Brad was panicked all oh. night. Panicked all oh. night. Yeah, he was frustrating the hell out of me. Well, he was playing a different role, wasn't he? Uh, the, you know, since uh, Cam ellis yolman has been there and performing at the, uh, at the level he's been at, the other boys have been feeding off him or, or feeding off the benefits of what he's doing. And all of a sudden, their games were changed because he wasn't there. Yeah. And although Greenwood tried hard, he, he, he's not uh, he's not as good in those centre clearances as uh, Cam is. We, we needed Ellis Yeoman's big body. Yeah. yeah, was Greenwood actually on the ground in the third quarter? Because I hardly saw him at all. Yeah, he didn't have And much. that's when they really started to get that run on. Um, I, I think I've noticed we do that. We rest him for longer in the third so we can use him more in the last quarter. Mm, I think he was there, um, Nick. I, I think he was there just yeah. not hitting the ball, Nick. I think he was, he was resting himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you could be right. I think it's 71% time on ground, so you could be right, Nick. Uh, and it's strange considering we needed that inside player to have him on far less than anyone else on the ground. 
70, I, like, I just wonder whether we were hoping that, yeah, that Gibbs was going to pull his finger out. He didn't. Uh, I was disgusted, uh, you know, when he, that, that particular issue that I mentioned before, I think it was Hawkins was, uh, Tony was up chasing him up his bum and Hawkins was going, end up marking the ball on his chest. Gibbs could have dived in front and punched the ball away. Yes, he, he could have. Just, he stopped dead and then then looked around to say, what should I have done? And yeah. I thought myself, anyway, we're not talking about we... individuals right now, Maka. Stick with the program. <laughs> oh, no, I just get a bit angry. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the, the inside 50s and rebound 50s stat was uh, incredible. Uh, we won the rebound 50s 48 to 29, which is probably more indicative of how ineffective we were in terms of getting the ball there. Uh, Geelong had 63 to 40 inside 50s. You're not going to actually win a game of football with 40 inside 50 entries, uh, unfortunately. Um, That makes it difficult. And it certainly explains why (laughs) Geelong's rebound 50 count was so low. Um, Look, uh, what else have we got here? As I mentioned, uh, our contested ball was okay. Uh, They did us by nine in the end, so it was pretty close. But uncontested possessions, Geelong 258 to 211. Again, that should have been the reverse. I said to Cam on Thursday night that we needed to win the uncontested possessions by the length of the Flemington straight in order to win because that would indicate that we played our style and we didn't play that style. Um, Good point. Disposal efficiency, 74.5 to 71. They had 305 effective disposals to 257 from us. Uh, as I mentioned, contested marks were even. Marks inside 50, though, 17 to 7. So that sort of highlights what I was saying before, how they were able to create so much space and so many mismatches. And just, I don't I, it was hard to tell from the coverage what was going on. But it seemed to me at times that um, our defenders either were pushed up too high or they were... I don't know. I, it was very a difficult it, to understand what was going on with our defence. A lot of it was those repeat entries in and out. Um, and it was the midfielders not putting most of the midfielders. Um, I'll leave Sloaney out of that discussion. Um, not putting the pressure on those other players being able to have that free, nice delivery into the forward line. That always really doesn't help because some of those passes were beautifully done to the advantage of, those forwards that are almost impossible to defend. I actually thought our defence didn't do too badly considering what was going on. Um, I'd like to do just a little highlight. Jake Kelly actually played a really good game once he again. He did. No, he did. I actually um, thought at one stage he was actually trying to go with Tim Kelly or it might have just been the way the things were going, but I saw him next I, to I think Kelly he a couple pick- of times. Yeah, he was picking him up... Um, which is good as a defender, knowing that he's probably the more dangerous option in the forward line. You don't leave him loose, mm. which whoever was supposed to be on him was doing so. Well, there's only one answer to that. Hang on. Let's stop dragging me into individuals. Sorry. <laughs> um, Riley O'Brien, I thought, did pretty well, 41 to 34. Probably wasn't as effective um, as... Uh, in the past, but he was up against uh, two reasonable blokes in uh, Stanley and Blitzarfs, um, and uh, he battled on pretty hard, I think. Uh, Blitzarfs yeah. made a huge difference, though, when he went into the ruck. I actually thought huge... it was a really good move, putting Blitzarfs in the ruck, um, yeah. because it made 
made it harder for Riley at ground level because Blitzars is essentially a midfielder. So yeah, he's yeah. a competitive beast too. So uh, and uh, he's got excellent pace as well. So he, yeah, he just matched up very well against Riley O'Brien. It was a very good coaching move by them. Yeah. Um, where else are we? Um, did I say we won the clearances 42 to 37? Um, uh, we won it around the ground as well as at the centre bounce. Um, turnovers slightly higher, so nothing uh, big there. But again, tackles inside 50, 18 to 8. 18 to 8. So we, uh, not that we had the ball inside forward 50 that much, but when we did it, certainly came out pretty quick. Pretty quick. So. Some pretty glaring stats there that indicated uh, these, and I've got to say these remind me very much of the stats of the first four to six weeks of the season. Mm. Very similar stats. I think you summed it up very well, Fee, when you say that. This, after about quarter and a half, we reverted back to that old style of play. So there's no doubt, no doubt about it. And that's what disappointed me the most, Mac, um, because I felt like um, we didn't cope with Geelong's pressure. we And this is what we've been saying for the last month, isn't it? That it's the game styles looked really good. Uh, the changes that have been put in, uh, the, the little tweaks that have been put around personnel. But would it stand up against uh, good opposition? Uh, it stood up versus GWS really well, I thought. But that was a home game. Um, this was probably the biggest test of that particular game style. And it was quite disappointing to see that we not only didn't carry that game style through on a narrow ground which should have made it easier but also that we reverted back to what we always do and that's the problem and that's what I fear come finals footy mm. and but I come back to the other point I made right at the very beginning those three goals in the last half minute of each of three quarters I mean that then they must, they're going to have to practice some structure yeah. to prevent that from happening because two goals that won. should never... I thought it was three. No, they missed one. It was two goals, one. They but, missed one. But the point yeah, stands, mate. But that's... Yeah, and that's more mental than anything. That's that little bit of relax and switch off. So that's something that can be fixed. It's not so much a structure. It's making sure you stay in the game till the very end of the quarter, which we had been doing before the break. And you're right, Fiend, we, we switch back to that ineffective style from the start of the season. And it's like, why? We know we can. And, and that's why I'm just so frustrated with this game is it was the, even playing that style. We were well in the game. We were showing that we could match it up with them. And then we just went... We were only in the game until we stopped. The moment, and it coincided with Geelong's intensity lifting in the midfield. About halfway through that second quarter, their intensity Mm -hmm. in the midfield really lifted. And the disappointing aspect, and we'll get to individuals now, the disappointing aspect was that uh, blokes like Brad Crouch uh, could not lift their intensity. Um, You talk about who was accountable on Tim Kelly. Well... If Tim Kelly's their best mid, Brad Crouch is supposed to be ours. Um, and at no stage did I see Brad putting any pressure whatsoever on Tim Kelly. Um, I didn't see anybody they were deliberately playing him not. They were deliberately playing him not in the midfield. They were playing no, him on the wing. They played him on the wing. They put, and they put, 
They put Selwood in the midfield. Yeah, yeah and I noticed they... that too. But uh, nevertheless, that's only at bounces. And either either Pike or the midfield coach was not uh, not aware enough to actually make sure that Brad maintained some sort of uh, feel for Kelly around the ground, or. Um, you know, they just decided not to cover him. I, I don't understand why they didn't, why they decided not to cover him. Yeah, I wouldn't criticise Brad's game overall for lack of effort. But oh, I, I would. would. I, no, I haven't finished yet, but I'd say it was his worst game for the year, even though he had twenty seven possessions, because he didn't have the same influence on the game that he has been having. And as you say, his opponent was. So. Um, I, I I was disappointed with Brad's game, even uh, though he did get a lot of the ball. He, he he didn't do a lot with it. I don't know what his efficiency rating was. It couldn't have been high. Uh, well, his efficiency rating was down the 66 as usual. Right, okay. But, um, yeah, I, I was disappointed with Brad, but, uh, but the, he wasn't the only one. There were, I just think, as Nicky quite rightly said, they started Kelly on the wing, and I would have thought that we would have done some coaching move to negate that and just act as if they were all playing in the, the normal positions. So, and so, uh, the same goes with Joel Selwood. He got off the chain as well. Now, uh, got to say good day to everyone on the Spreaker chat. For, thanks for joining us. As usual, we love you guys on the Spreaker chat, uh, as well as on Facebook and on YouTube as well, if you're watching us on either of those channels. Uh, ben, says on the speaker chat that we're overanalyzing. Uh, and a lot of people would, and I reckon we might hear a bit of that from Peter on Tuesday night as well, that, you know, it's it's uh, Cadinia Park, we're always going to lose, uh, we always have the same, you know, outcomes in terms of the way we play, etc. let's just move on. The problem I've got, and I think uh, you guys have got as well, is that uh, this is what finals footy is about. And there's no point getting to finals footy um, and capitulating like we did in 2017, and that's what I'm. I'm not. I'm, I see that again in terms of this game plan holding up under real pressure. Yeah, and, and, and I have to have to support that, Fane. And um, look, Ben Davidson is when he says can't win them all, and beating everyone wins in Geelong, even flag team. And I'm not going. We're not going to argue about that. We're analysing why the fact that we can't, that we that we didn't win it, because. In our own minds, we think that if we did things right, we might well have done it. So that, that's something we may, we may well differ on. Yeah. And look, we didn't just lose. We actually got flogged. Geelong, if they had a half-decent forward line, they would have slaughtered us, to be honest with you. The amount of ball they had in that third quarter in their half of the ground, they should have kicked another five goals. But anyway... All right, so individuals, we had Sloney uh, heading the charge with 13 kicks, 17 handballs, 30 disposals, 3 marks, 6 tackles, 3 inside 50s, 9 clearances, um, 1 rebound 50. He went at 73% with 16 contested possessions. Um, he had 6 score involvements, three eight or 373 metres gained, uh, 3 intercepts. Uh, pretty solid game from Rory. I thought he tried all night. Like his game, actually. I mean, and look, Rory, it's, it's very, very rare for Rory not to give um, 100%. And, uh, but he had 30 possessions and uh, he puts his body where I would not want to put mine. He's just a very brave little, little guy and he just, he's a great player. I thought he had a good game. 
Um, yeah, for me, he was trying to lift that midfield, but the other midfielders just didn't want to go with him. No, they um, didn't. So I, I put a tick next to Rory's name for that game. Yep. Uh, Matty Crouch, 12 and 18 for 32 marks, five tackles, two inside, 56 clearances. Um, played a li- little bit more inside this week. Matty, uh, 13 contested possessions, also 73% disposal efficiency, six score involvements, just under 300 metres gained. Um, I've got to say, I didn't notice him as much. I didn't notice him have a 30 possession game, um, but I noticed him more than Brad. He's a quiet accumulator, there's no doubt about it. And uh, um, But he was under a lot more pressure this week than he has been. As you said, I think the last couple of weeks, he's been developing his outside game the last few weeks because he's been able to, with uh, Camilla Shulman in the centre, to get a little bit more on the outside, and which makes him very dangerous because he's he's a a deadly little short pass. And um, uh, I just think that he some of his uh, influence was negated a little bit. Uh, having said that, I thought he 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 was one that, that did try very hard all day, and yeah, I thought I'd give him a pass. And considering he was under quite a bit of um, pressure, that seventy three percent isn't too bad, especially for him. Um, but you're right; I didn't realise that was a thirty possession game. Mm. I, I thought the back end of his game was solid. I thought he he uh, kept trying really hard, and I noticed him more. Probably in the in the third and fourth quarter than the first half, to be honest. Um, Seed, I thought, was probably, along with Sloney, our best. Uh, 16 kicks, yes. 12 handballs for 28, six marks, two goals, one, including a beautiful long-raking drop punt. That was beautiful. Uh, six inside beautiful. 50s, uh, a couple of clearances. Uh, he uh, didn't have any, well, three contested possessions, so very much on the outside, but went at 78% uh, percent disposal efficiency. Uh, seven bounces in the game. He really uh, had a couple of really nice runs there. Uh, seven score involvements, nearly 650 metres game. It's a welcome return to fall, uh, to form for Seeds. The goal he got, which uh, he probably got the ball probably slightly backwards of wing, and he started running down the ground. And Taylor Walker uh, very, very cleverly worked out that if he, if he provided a block, the Seeds would keep going. Um, and I just think... As a team goal, that's, that was one of the, the team goals of the year. There's no doubt about that because it, it should, would not, normally never have been a goal. But because of the fact that uh, Tex was, was so smart with the use of his body and Seed smart enough to have the pace to keep on and then the dash to keep going after that and the ability to kick a 50-metre from that angle on the run, I just thought it was a beautiful goal. Um, and just on that, he was going to kick it and then he saw Tex coming in. And yes. so he knew he was just going to get that little bit of extra space. But prior to that all happening, the pass from Gallucci to his advantage to give him that break of space was perfect. Yeah, I love it the ball being in the Gucci really, hands. Yeah, it was a really clever kick. So you're right in terms of it It was on the, the back of the centre square. It was that crossover kick which changed that angle, opened the field up beautifully. It it was a perfect team play um, that you kind of practice in the hope that it works and rarely is able to be pulled off in a game. Um, and it's kind of interesting that we think it's he's starting to build into form. You, you look at all that, those numbers there and I think it's he can still get better. 
than that. I think there's still he can do even more in a game. Um, and that's why opposition teams will put a lot of work into stopping him getting any open space because that's how damaging he can be. Yeah, and uh, the, the the worrying one for mine, uh, and we'll get to him later, is uh, Brody Smith. Um, he started off like when, when Smithers came back. Uh, let's talk about him now. He had 10 and 4 for 14. When Smithers came back from his knee, he, he looked to me like he was playing like a bloke who uh, th- knew that every game could be his last game. And he mm. seemed to yeah. have just... just um, let go of some baggage or some uh, some lack of confidence or something or other, and he was really taking games on. But now he's gone all the way back into his shell. Uh, 14 touches, one mark, one goal, two tackles, uh, two clearances, three rebound 50s, um, six contested possessions, only went at 64% disposal efficiency, only gained us 250 metres. Now, I didn't notice... Brody having anyone really sitting on him, um, they didn't. Well, they they sat pretty tight on him. Yeah, but he's got to have the ability to be able to work through that. Of course you know, he does. I yeah. mean, he's he's got to be able to play under pressure. And there's so many blokes in our in our team that play really well until the moment the opposition puts any time into them whatsoever, and then they go into their shells. And really good players need to be able to play well under pressure. Um, so, um, DSG makes a great point in the chat. He says, does, does he need Miller, Miller there to free him up? Well, Miller in the back lines does actually free up uh, uh, Len and uh, also Smith because of the fact because he darts around, he dashes and dashes here and there, and then he, he provides that support. And then when they move towards him, he then gives the ball back, and then they can uh, do dash down the field. And we, yeah, we, we miss Miller back there. And I've got to say, um, the fact that I think Laird was camped on and that Smith was camped on, um, it was very good coaching by Geelong and showed the uh, they they worked out who are the ones where the drive comes from in our back line. Um, and uh, we should have worked out similarly where does the drive come from their midfield. I, I don't think I don't think Laird was sat on Macker. I think he had a stinker. Uh, well, he I, had a stinger. I, I, also, I thought he must have been camped or he just couldn't get it. No. It, it, well, and he couldn't get near his player because I think Myers was his player. That's exactly right, Nick. He was accountable because Geelong went very oh, small. Well, he did have a stinger because I was wondering who the hell was on him because he was only so far alone. Yeah, Geelong, Geelong went in very small uh, and it made uh, Brown and Laird and uh, those blokes and even Smith to a degree need to be accountable on, on their opponents. Um, and it really did rob us of some drive, but it, it wasn't. It, what it, what it meant? Maybe that was a contributing factor to our our lack of being able to chip the ball around because uh, the blokes that are usually the prime movers in that movement uh, just weren't anywhere to be found. Uh, and Brody Smith is an integral part of that um, movement, and uh, his stats show that he wasn't anywhere. So. Um, you know, it might have been good coaching. It might have just been the way they decided to to um, put their team on the ground, Macca, that caused us to lose a lot of our drive. Um, but I do think we lo- we miss Miller anyway. Uh, yeah. But Letty had a stinker. Seven kicks and 16 handballs. Uh, three marks only. Four tackles only. Four rebound 50s, which you'd expect. 
Um, only four contested possessions. Went at ninety one point three percent disposal efficiency. But I tell you what, I'd love How? to see. I'd love well because his his handballs are two meters and his kicks yeah. go straight up in the air, so they always go to a pack. <laughs> so because that's what I was going to say. That they was, all, he was all trying to, for the rainmaker. It's it's how they measure that stat. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot directly because he just kicks to packs. And it's I don't remember the last time Letty had a really decisive game of football um, where he was uh, more than just clearing the ball. Um, it's a, he, he's well down this year, isn't he? Oh, well hunting. down. Yeah, yeah, incredibly well down. Only 163 uh, metres gained. Um, just... just like he's always going to get numbers because he's always on the end of you know uh, the first kick or the the second kick out of defence or whatever. But gee, um, not not good from Rory. Uh, Riley O'Brien I thought was okay. Eighteen disposals, eleven and seven took two marks. I'd like to see him take a few more. Uh, is bit bit concrete hands at the moment. Seven tackles though from the yeah, big fella. He was- 39. He was in the last quarter. Yeah, 39 hit-outs, uh, six clearances, um, uh, two rebound 50s. Uh, I thought he might get a bit exposed, and I think Stanley did expose him a little bit um, going up forward. Stanley obviously kicking a couple of goals, um, or kick one goal too, uh, but uh, threatened to expose um, Riley up forward. Uh, and I was surprised that they didn't use that tactic a little bit more often considering how short they were. But uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, Brian said he, after the game that he that he was very sore. Um, and they said, how had pull up after the game? He said, no, sore all over, he said. Yeah. yeah I think they, they really did kind of bash into him. And, of course, the Victorian media had been into Stanley all week um, regarding his performance the previous week. So, that's never fun when that happens because you know your your player's going to pull his finger out just a little bit more um, with that kind of um, thing going on him. I, I think they were trying to expose Stanley up forward more, but Rob did okay. Um, I, I thought I think, he had a really, really, yeah. really good game, but I just thought he just tired as the game went on. He did, and I think that's where those – he was getting himself in the front position, he's getting his those con- – and as you said, Phoenix, those concrete hands, they were just dropping down and I, and I kind of felt watching it was that a little bit of tiredness coming in. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, uh, doesn't look like he's uh, worried about taking marks, but they just weren't sticking. He, he just seemed to be yeah. hitting the hands and, and going out. Anyway, um, look, the other bloke that uh, teams are really starting to put work into and, and making more accountable, and that's Alex Keith. Uh uh, 10 and 7 for 17, took 7 marks, uh, 2 tackles, um, 6 rebound 50s. Um, but I just felt I just feel like over the last few weeks that teams are starting to realise that he's our third man up. Um, and despite us being uh, like probably too tall in the end for, for Geelong, uh, Keith wasn't able to really dominate uh, as, a, as an intercepting defender. And I would have liked to have seen our coaching staff try to free Alex up a little bit more because it was one of the reasons why they seemed to be able to score their goals so easily, like I said before, was their ability to get mismatches. And I just spent my time wondering, where the hell is Alex Keith? Because he didn't really have a direct matchup uh, that couldn't be covered by someone else. And I just wondered whether it would have been worthwhile trying to get Keith free 
to be a bit of a, a roaming quarterback as they were coming in, but it didn't seem to happen. Well, that's more of a criticism of the coaching staff than, than Alex Keith. He, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's a victim of how the game was played. Uh, I thought he still played, had a reasonably good game, but um, not to the level uh, of which he ha- what he has been, where he's been a dominant person in the back line. But I still thought he had a reasonably good game. And I still think he didn't do his All-Australian uh, chances any harm with his game. I still thought it was good enough to keep his name there. No, it was just interesting that uh, despite them being small... That, and and us having Hardigan and uh, Talia and Talia, I yeah, I know, I know where you're getting at. Yeah. So you know who was Keithy playing on? Uh, and if he was playing yeah, on I, one of those small blokes, I would have much he rather. Was at have, times. Yeah, I would have much rather have seen them try to free him up, um, because he if he was on one of the small lads, they tore us apart anyway, uh, and we were getting done on one outs in in contested march situations. So anyway, Richard Bloody Douglas. Got to go. He has to go. Seriously. Honestly, I, I'm not into tearing blokes down, so I'll go as easy as I possibly can. But five kicks, ten handballs for 15. Took four marks. Uh, didn't hit the scoreboard, even though he was playing up forward. Only one tackle. Uh, so he wasn't in the team for scoring goals, and he wasn't in the team for forward pressure. Uh, one inside 50. Um yeah, I don't understand what's going on. Only four contested possessions. Um, almost a blank stat sheet for 88% time on ground. Yeah, uh, Two score involvements, 72 yeah. metres gained. Probably the worst game that I've... And Dougie hasn't been that great since he's been back, but this is the worst game Douglas has played for the club for a long right. time. Probably the 2017 grand final. You almost got to wonder with those rumours about the pictures with the goat and the selectors are true, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know why he's getting selected. I mean, we we put him in there to play up forward. He's part of that reason to to create some of that pressure so we can keep the ball in, but it was coming out too easily. That's um, right. And we can't just blame the young blokes about that when Dougie's there as well. Um, he was back to his falling over. Yep. Well, Nicky, uh, if, you, if you describe his role correctly, he didn't do it. Yeah, and he didn't. Um, I, I think there needs to be some very strong um, pressure coming from below, which is such a, a pity those guys are playing well. Um, but I think because we've had some of other younger players in there, we don't want to go in too young oh, in that look, spot. Um, it, but I think that's bother? the wrong call. Well, I think it is now uh, because Douglas is offering us nothing. Uh, he's had three games in now, had the benefit of the bye, um, no perceived you know, body issues or anything like that. He just looks off the pace. Uh, he looks slow in his reactions. He's not putting himself in dangerous positions and he's not working hard defensively. So I would rather, much rather have a Chase Jones in that spot I think we could have actually done with having a, a Darcy Fogarty in that spot. Um, yep. I'll talk about him when we get to uh, young Ben Davis. But, uh, yeah, D- Douglas is a liability. And the trouble is we had Richie Douglas and Lockie Murphy as small forwards along with Eddie Betts. And their output um, was just atrocious. And Davis. 
Out no, no ben, Benny was more of a lead-up forward than a small forward. Um, I know, but in the overall structure of things, of, of the contribution from the smaller players. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But Douglas, Murphy and Betts did bugger all defensively. Um, and Betts was quiet. And between them, kicked one goal one. You know, so where are you going to get your scores from? And that was a worry of, of mine on, on Thursday night on the river. Where were we going to get our scores from? We needed Ben Davis and Elliot Himmelberg to hit the scoreboard, um, and they never did. So Tex only kicking the one. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Berg kicking two, but they were kind of after the horses bolted kind of goals, um, weren't in the heat of play. Um, well, they weren't from Mark's either. Oh, his, his, um, Berg's first one was. Yeah. That was still when the game was in in the balance. Um, only took three. Only took three months. Um, so anyway, of the rest, I thought Jake Kelly played a right. Um, good game. No, I thought good game. Um, holding like his own there. Um, Jake Kelly seems to be playing well when the other defenders are struggling, and I thought Daniel Correct. Talia. <laughs> Daniel Talia was horrific. Horrific. Daniel Talia. One of the worst ever. Five kicks, two handballs, seven uh, seven disposals, three marks. Um, and, he, and he should be accurate, be accurately able to accurately describe uh, the shape of Hawkins' bum because he was looking at it all night and just yep. running behind him. Yeah, it's almost a blank score sheet from Talia for 93% uh, um, percent time on ground. It's almost a blank score sheet for Tars. And uh, Hawkins has a habit of doing a bit of a number on him, and I don't actually know why they didn't try Hardigan on Hawkins a little bit uh, more often. Um, I kept screaming for that change to be made, and I don't know why it wasn't done. Yeah, as it turned out, as it, the way we played and without being able to get Keith isolated, I felt like we were too tall down back. Um, but anyway, um, and Hardigan kind of looked a bit out of, out of place, although he tried hard. Uh, Huey Greenwood is another one who's been disappointing because he's not getting enough of the ball. Nine and five for 14, three marks, eight tackles, as you'd expect, um, four clearances. Uh, but just, uh, like you said, Nick, uh, just goes missing whether he's off the ground or whatever, but um, only went at 64% disposal efficiency. He only gained us 151 metres. I love Hugh Greenwood, but I'm starting to see why he's no longer um, not not yet signed. I wouldn't mind betting he gets a trade. Uh, you could well be right. Apparently there's been, there's been interest in him. Oh, there, of course there'd be interest in him because he's he's a good player. But yeah. in, in in our system, he's not getting enough of the ball. There, I'd almost like to see them forget about him playing midfield and have him play more as a permanent forward. Because he's very dangerous up there. Well, he certainly he certainly didn't star anywhere. Uh, he took one very good mark, I think, on uh, in when he was up forward, uh, and that was really the the best thing I can remember him doing. Yeah, Ben Ben in the chat makes a very good point, and I agree a hundred percent. Hugh has shown us his ceiling over the last month, in my opinion. He might be playing a little bit injured or sore, I'm not quite sure. He had a uh, interrupted pre-season, so maybe he's not quite fit enough. But we are seeing his limitations, in my in my opinion, um, and whether he needs to uh, 
you know, be a cameo in the midfield and be more of a permanent forward, I'm not sure. But uh, I can see why they are just not quite ready to sign him yet. Uh, Bryce Gibbs, terrible. I don't even want to talk about it. I just want him to go and sort his shit out. Uh, I, I kept yelling at the television. Well, what's he doing out there? Because I wasn't well, sure. Because was, I was pretty sure it wasn't football. Well, without getting into any detail, he's apparently got major off-field problems. Oh, yeah, he, yeah uh, we know that, Macca. But at the end of the day, he gets selected. I hadn't finished. I hadn't finished. Uh, what I was going to say is they are obviously playing on his mind to the point that he can't play efficiently at AFL level and therefore shouldn't which, be selected. Yeah, which the coaching staff should know about because that's part of your the monitoring that you're doing with him, That the mental side of the game. That's got to be um, up and about. We um, know it. Uh, you know it, Nikki. Yeah. I know it. Uh, Veen knows it. Most of the people out there know what the problem is and they, they know that since he's had that problem, uh, his football has been worthless, absolutely worthless. And, you know, you, you wouldn't give a, a pick 50 for him at the moment. And uh, uh, so you just can't select the guy. No. And See, don't I, we I have welfare we... staff down there that should be able to pinpoint to we the do. coaches that this guy just isn't fit for playing at the moment? Mm, he's well, definitely for, not. For me, my, my concern has been was I thought we picked him to actually put him in to play only as a tagger on Kelly. And I was happy with that decision if that's what he was going to do on field because we saw what he did with Oliver. It was actually quite effective because he goes in and out of games He's even if he's trying to play his own game. But if you give him that job, um, that works really well. The only problem for me is that we then didn't do that with him, which was... No, we just played him as a midfielder. Yeah, that and a very poor one. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so to me, that was the issue with him being out there and I, I think that was a mistake um, with the way that our coaching staff worked around this game. Yeah, and look, people in the chat talking about not having a role and all the rest of it. Today's modern footballers need to be versatile and Bryce Gibbs is is uh, a senior player that should be able to play a midfield role when he's asked to, should be able to play a tagging role when he's asked to and should be able to run off half-back when he's asked to. It's not like he's just he, learning the game. He, he, he is a senior right. player and it's not about um, not knowing your role. It's, it's about not going when it's your turn to go. You know his his mind and his heart just isn't in it at the moment. He's not in. He gets the ball and he just blindly kicks it if he's got any sort of pressure on him whatsoever. He he doesn't put himself over in the contest. He's he's not being aggressive. He's not being um, proactive in the way he's playing. He um, seagulls out to the side. Yeah. Yeah. And the simple fact is that that they might be working under the premise that uh, well. He he might be saying to them that he doesn't want time off, that he wants to keep playing. But I think it's time that the club actually made a call and said, well, you can keep playing, but it'll be in the twos because we're not going to pick you until you get your stuff sorted. And the other thing that I would say about that is that when was the last time you saw a bloke with serious off-field issues like this and uh, perhaps some... Um, 
some mental health issues as a result, when have you actually seen them successfully come back? Na- name one. Name one. Well, they don't. They don't. That's the whole point. They don't. They, they, the, what the other clubs have done with various players, I mean, even if you take Port Adelaide's Broadbridge, they gave him some time off. He came back, played one or two games, and, and then he's had to go again. So until the, the problems can be totally resolved, no, that you just can't play him. Yeah. Um, it's just too much. I, I, and that's the thing. I think, um, and God, you know, no one wishes ill on Bryce at all uh, from a personal perspective. No, uh, but not. Uh, you know, we wish them and, and the family all the best. But in terms of his role in the Adelaide Football Club first team, uh, I don't think there is one at the moment. And I'd, again, I'd much rather see a kid uh, have a crack in there, even if it means that we're a bit light on it, because it gives us a, more of an effort than Bryce at the moment. Yeah, I I mean, we need to do what's best for the club, but whilst also at the same time doing what's best for Bryce, because he is um, one of our players. And I, I think you're right, Fane. I think he he's not quite working enough even in the SNFL when I've gone to watch him he's still in and out of games and the quality of player that he is that tells me that there's still a lot going on um and that possibly the SNFL even that's not the place for him at the moment unfortunately Um, going on between his ears isn't it Nikki yeah and and as a coach, that's actually hard to tell because, as you said before, Fiend, he what he's saying and what he is possibly presenting, um, you, they're not psychologists, they're not mind readers, and that's that's hard to judge um, to to where it goes. So, uh, unfortunately, it's it's a horrible situation, um, and just like so, like I'm one of that as Tom Boyd is he made his comeback this week, but playing in local footy. Enjoyed himself, but it would be interesting to see how long, like you said, it's that little bit of up and down, even at that much lower level. Um, it Mental issues are a, a major problem in our, in our society. And, mm. yeah, it, it's just you can't win. Well, look, I mean, if the reported issues are even half true, it's little wonder that he's got a bit on his mind. Um, but mm. unfortunately, and we don't want to speculate about that. The simple, let's talk no. simply about his football. At the moment, his output yeah. on the field is not enough, and uh, at the very least, he needs to go back in the twos uh, and regain some form and some confidence. Um, as you mentioned, with Tex, uh, suffered from that elbow. Uh, looked promising early, I thought, but uh, dropped yeah. out of it. Uh, I didn't think we got enough from any of our smalls. Lockie Murphy and Eddie Betts were unsighted. Um, ben Davis up and about at the very first bit, and he was involved in um, our early scoring involvements, and then went quiet. Yeah, and the problem with that is that Eddie is also a senior player, and if he can see stuff going on, he needs he he Eddie is uh, Eddie is the 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 biggest opportunity you'll ever see in your life, but at some times. He's actually got to do the one percenters as well, particularly when the team's struggling. And I haven't seen Eddie do much of the one percenters this year, the the basics, the percentage plays, you know. 
Um, Which has always been a foundation of his play. Yeah, mm. and that's all well and good, but he's got two young blokes around him at the moment um, and he's got to take some responsibility. Um, he's not laying tackles. He's not uh, hitting up as much as he used to um, and I think we're suffering as a result, particularly when our tools are getting beaten. Um, and with Himmelberg being sorely beaten by Harry Taylor, I thought, um, and Tex injured, as we mentioned, um, you know, we weren't able to get anything out of bets. Actually, you raised a very good point there, Pete. I just casting my eye over the forward players um, as you spoke, and very, very few of any tackles laid by them at all. In total, I think I came up with about six. Uh, from or from the, that's from the total forwards. Yeah, um, Vardy says Stengel Golos on the weekend. Well, uh, given the weather, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, look, so that's it. Let's let's leave it there. But um, uh, overall, a disappointing performance by uh, the lads. I thought um, almost in terms more in terms of how it happened than uh, anything else. Before we move on, let's uh, quickly go to our awards, although I can't think of a breakout award this week. Can you? Uh, no. Nah. Uh, and uh, Robbo O'Brien, uh, I don't know. Oh, Galooch wasn't bad. Oh, it's Galooch as well? Yeah, I think he's still eligible, isn't he? Uh, I thought Galooch was uh, disappointing. I felt he was fumbly uh, and uh, muffed a few chances and only got 10 touches. One thing I'll say about Galich, though, his touches were good touches, most of them, uh, but but probably didn't have one, I don't know. In in terms of being honest... um, Yeah, I agree. We didn't have one. Uh, Our best player of the week, uh, probably uh, you'd think... Seeds or Sloan? I find it hard to split them because they play different roles. Um... You're gonna get what you need. Sorry, mate, go on. I'm open to either a Sloan or Seeds because Sloan, typical Sloan game where he'll take anybody on and he'll try his guts out and he'll run right to the last siren and give everything he's got. Seeds, very dashing, open type footballer. Um, but very effective what he did. So um, for me, it was a bit of a tie. Um, I I would probably go to Rory if I had to go to anybody. So for me, I'll go for Seed Um, with an honourable mention to Kelly. Yeah, I'm a Seeds as well. Uh, In a game where where we needed some outside run, he was the only one providing it. So uh, uh, in terms of the Wake Up Award, there's probably a few... (laughs) Uh, we've already talked about Bryce, uh, Eddie. Um, I've got to go Richard Douglas. Douglas, I think, is the one. Yeah. Bryce is close circle. At least Bryce has got an excuse. Dougie hasn't yes. got any. Um, and the one person we haven't spoken, I just want to talk about Ben Davis for a minute because, um, you know, I, you know, I like the selection uh, philosophically but I feel like it was the wrong game to bring him in and I would have preferred to have Fogarty. Would anyone agree with that? 100% agree. Wrong, it was, 
I thought he was a lamb to the slaughter when he was brought into this game. Um, this is not the game that I would have brought him. I would have brought him in on a home game and on a much more favourable situation. Um, yeah, we needed uh, somebody with a bit of bulk and uh, could throw their weight around a bit. And uh, yeah, look, I would have rather had Fogarty, but uh, it was a bit too much for Ben. Um, He's being asked to do too much, and uh, for the first game in that hot climate. And I don't mean the weather, but in terms of the intensity of the game, that um, he got to the ball a few times. Every time he got it, they got him. Oh, they so, just monstered him, yeah. Yeah. So, did, but, but what I what I did like though in in those instances, he might have lost the ball. He then went straight back in. He kept oh, yeah. in the contest. He laid some oh. really nice tackles. So it was it was an almost game. One tackle. Um, no, he had more than one. They've lied in the stats because I saw him at least make two. Um, They only town if they stick. Uh, Look, I I felt like he looked a bit light, actually. I was surprised how light he looked uh, in comparison to everyone else. Uh, But he didn't shirk it at all. And uh, I'd be interested. Lynch, you back next week? Um, Depends on how his calf. Yeah, not sure that he's going to be back next week. Yeah, I, I think he. I think he was getting. He's getting a lot closer. Um, so does Davis stay in if Lynch? Does Davis stay in for the probably. showdown? If do you think? Oh, Davis! I don't know about that. I thought you said Douglas. Because no, I if, mean, if if Lynch doesn't come back, does Ben Davis stay in? Not for me. I would bring Chase Jones in. Oh God, no! Not for not for Davis. No. No. You bring Jones in for no. Douglas. Yeah, but not for Davis. Who are you going to lead yeah, up? Who are you going to lead up with? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't think that Davis did the role anyhow. So um, yeah, well, no, we're, not, say, we're not disputing that. But do you keep him in for Port, given that Port have a completely different defensive setup? No, I'd find somebody else. Um, I don't think Davis is the right man at this stage of his career. Well, I he's been in the system. For, I, I, yeah, he's been in the system for three years now, and I'm saying that if not now, then when? We can't keep a bloke on the on keep, in the system for five years because I, he's had he's had his taste of it. He was he's more he's more a lead up forward like Lynch is. He's and he's quicker than even though Fogg's got the bulk and everything else. Davis is a much quicker player. And the way that Port like to play when they break from the back line is they do it with speed. And for me, Davis is a better option for there. And I want to see how he goes in a second game. Yeah. Well, I can see from the comments in the chat that perhaps they don't agree with me and they think I'm a bit harsh, but um, maybe I am. Uh, And maybe he will stay. But... um, Oh, if he does, though, I'd want more out of him than what we've got this week. Oh, no, no, no doubt. No doubt about that. Um, but if ever you wanted a tough debut, uh, it's bloody Geelong at Cadenia Park. Oh, that would be the toughest you could give a guy. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, I, I'd like to see Jones come in for Douglas, uh, definitely. Um, you know, form notwithstanding. Uh, we're getting, are we getting to the point where we need to give Stengel a run ahead of Lockie Murphy? I thought Lockie Murphy wasn't too bad. Or, or give Eddie a break. Well, Eddie probably doesn't want to take a break. Not it against, not against what Port. Eddie wants. No, you play him against what Port. Eddie Nick. wants. Yeah, 
and you play Eddie Gasport and maybe rest him for a couple after that. I agree. Um, but Lockie Murphy this week, I, I would be inclined to uh, look at his position because he's, he's increasingly spending a lot of time looking busy and not actually doing much. Well, he didn't do much on the weekend, that's for certain. Um, no. But, but he has got a, Eddie's got a very good record against Port. Yep. All right. Uh, now, Mackie, you're with us on Tuesday night, aren't you, this week? I will be. It'll be plenty of... Uh, Maybe one or two speakers, plenty of, plenty of smacks smack. So we better give uh, Nikki her cock one ball. Right so here, my first, nom- first nomination is to our coaching staff who did not tag Kelly. That was the ultimate cock-wombling decision. Um, Agreed. I would like to give another nomination to the Port Adelaide forward line for their last quarter effort with a disp- uh, with efficiency rating for the final quarter of 0%. I, f- I figure that that's, that's pretty yeah, decent that's pretty for an good. AFL forward line. I don't know whether um, it might be a first. I think it might be so, but it gave us a good laugh uh, with the family on um, Saturday night. The Adelaide Oval Twitter account for forgetting to tweet out the final numbers, I think, for the first time in their history. Did uh, they forget? For... Did they forget? Did they? What? They they appeared to forget. They didn't yeah. tweet the numbers out of apparently 25,000. Um, I was playing a game prior to that one. My opponent was a supporter who was going to the game they only had standing tickets or the non-reserve seat tickets and chatting to her during the game she's just like oh yeah we know we can go and sit in the reserve seats because they're not going to turn up tonight their own fans mm-hmm. know that they're apparent diehard supporters who pay that extra money for reserve seats aren't turning up so yeah the port crowd i know the weather was horrendous it was freaking cold but they've just beaten um, the league leaders. They're, they're on a charge yeah. to the finals. They, they should have been – you can understand them not turning up if they played like that the week before, but that was just not good enough. Uh, but it becoming then the lowest Adelaide Oval crowd just makes us slightly uh, giggle. And because the Cockwom League nomination of the week is hopefully where there is a possibility of them making us laugh, I think that's given us quite a good laugh. So I would say the, uh, yeah, the crowd that didn't turn up. Well, I've got to say this about Port Adelaide. It's like Westlake's revisited. Start at a certain level and work your way down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, the other Cockwomble nomination for mine is bloody Fremantle because who and, gets, oh, who yeah, gets beaten on their home deck on a Sunday evening uh, by No Crips. No Crips, exactly right. What the oh, hell's going on? Anyway, yeah. uh, look, that's it. We must uh, say a very big thank you to Ryan Smith at Smith Partners Real Estate for their ongoing support. Also, the boys at Down to Earth Electrical uh, and also Tim's uh, YouTube channel, Hardware and Box, if you want some geeky goodness there. And a special thank you, to, of course, to all our patrons. Uh, if you want to support the cast, um, go on to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast 
or click the Patreon button on the website aflcrowcast.com. Lady and gentlemen, I believe that might be it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's about it. We've done it. <laughs> Mac has had a couple. An hour, an hour and a half. An hour and a half of that, yeah. But don't forget, Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live. Thanks, everyone, in the chat for joining us tonight, and we'll see you then. Not all. Not all.